Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part six in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning session of Sunday the 17th of May, 2009, entitled, Experiencing Confidence and Enjoying Contentment. And the Bible reading is the book of Jude, chapters 1 to 25. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's word. As we read from Jude, beginning in verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, all these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. For what they know naturally as brute beast, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. and Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you again, Lord, health and strength, the privilege, the opportunity to be gathered together here in your house today. Father, as we come together here, we thank you that we can have that absolute confidence and assurance of knowing that you are here with us because you live and dwell within us as your children. And Father, we thank you that even as we have just read from, that we have your word that's been preserved for us, that we have something, Lord, that is concrete and stable and firm in this moving world about us. For your spirit that dwells within, that you've promised, is the one that can give us understanding, that can take these words and make them alive to our hearts. He's the one that if there be one lost in our midst this morning that can convict of sin, he's the one this morning, if there be one here that is backslidden and walking afar off, that can draw them near again. And Father, through his power, that each and every Christian can be encouraged, built up in the faith, challenged, Lord, that each of us in some way can leave here today even just a bit more like our Savior than when we came. We give you all the praise and glory for it, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. That ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Our theme verse for this series that we're, that we're looking at. As we look today into Jude, we'll be paying particular attention to picking up in verse 17. And our thought will simply be this, if you would. Experiencing confidence and enjoying contentment. Experiencing confidence and enjoying contentment. Remember, we have been asked and encouraged, challenged, commanded by our Lord to contend for this faith that's been delivered to us. We find that as we looked first of all there in verse 3 of this passage that we talked about the simple thought of this earnestly contending, earnestly contending for the faith. We tried to simplify it, and hopefully most of you can kind of say it with me this morning as we said that we need to earnestly contend for the faith because there is a fight to be fought for a faith in its fullness on a foundation that is firm against a foe that's a fraud. 
And then as we moved on from that, we looked next at several sermons on the thought of exposing the error. And we looked at a couple of things that the Lord gives us here that that comes from, first of all, remembering the past, remembering that we're focusing upon apostasy here, those that have had the truth and turned away from it. And he teaches us that we need to remember the past. And he gives us those examples that we looked at there in God's Word as we looked at the nation of Israel. And we find that it was because of some of them that believed not that we find that they were not allowed into the promised land. We looked at the angels themselves. We looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said these are given to us historically as examples of what happens when a people have the truth, and yet they turn away from it. And then, of course, we also looked at recognizing the present. There's apostasy here, right now. Not just historically, but it's all around us. That error must be exposed because the danger is real and the danger is present with us. As we pick up with our third main thought in this book, if you would, experiencing confidence and enjoying contentment. You know that any time that a soldier goes into battle, it is a wise superior that will do everything that he can to ensure that the morale of those men is good. Battles can be very draining on the individual. They can be disheartening. They can be discouraging. They can be debilitating. We need today as Christians to be properly prepared for what lies ahead of us. National Geographic ran an article about what's known as the Alaskan bull moose. The males of the species, they battle for dominance during the autumn of the year, which is their breeding season. And they literally, they go head to head with their antlers crunching and ripping and tearing, colliding, and of course the whole object is is that they want to tear the antlers off the other moose. And often that's what happens. And the only weapon that they have is their antlers. And when that's broken, that ensures defeat. The heftiest moose with the largest and the strongest antlers He's the one that's going to win. He's going to triumph over the others. But the battle that's fought in the autumn is really won a few months prior to that during the summer. When that, meat, when that moose is eating his meat, building himself up, making himself strong, because it's really his, his diet and his exercise and all those things that come into it that allows him to grow the strongest antlers, that allows him to gain the weight, to have the advantage over the foe that he comes up against. Those that eat properly, healthily, adequately, they're the ones 
that are going to have the advantage when the battle comes in the autumn of that year. There's a lesson for us there. You see, there are many spiritual battles that wait all of us. Satan will choose a season to attack when he thinks that he has the greatest advantage. We have to ask ourselves, do we want to be victorious or do we want to fail? Because that's really the only two options when he comes after us. But what I'm saying and trying to gain from this illustration of the moose is the fact that it's really what we do now that's going to decide who's going to be victorious in that spiritual battle that's before us down the road. The bull moose principle, enduring faith, strength, and wisdom. All those things that we're going to need for the trials is always best developed before that they're actually needed. You know, this is the same right across the spectrum. You know, if you have soldiers that are going into war, there's a preparation before they go to the field. The better prepared that they are, the better their chances of being victorious when the battles begin to rage. Well, I want to say to you today, the Lord has given us plenty to keep our morale up. And he's given us all that we need as far as our proper diet, to be strong, to be prepared, to be ready. As Christians today, you've heard me say it as your pastor many times before, we don't have to go and run and hide in the corner because of Satan's about. Now, I don't have any desire to go out and just pick a fight with him. But we have on our side all that we need to be victorious. We just need to be ready. We just need to be prepared. The Bible tells us to resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. That's not resisting in our strength but in the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God didn't give you everlasting life and all of the blessings and promises of the Christian life so that you could walk around being miserable. He honestly wants you to enjoy your Christian life. He wants you to smile occasionally. He wants you to be able to actually do these things because you want to, not just because you have to because everybody's looking at you. With our Christian walk, you see, we've already come through this book and we see that he has challenged us, that he has ordered us to contend for this faith, the one that was once for all delivered to the saints. But he wants you to be able to do that contending, earnestly contending, with confidence and with contentment. Not in ourselves, but in Him. Hanging on to His promises that He's given to each and every one of us. A few things that we should remember before we look at our verses here. 
Jesus is the one that said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, he said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it, that life that he came to give, more abundantly. Remember, it's Satan that's the thief. He's the one that wants to steal your joy. He's the one that wants to destroy you. But Jesus said he came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. You see, we have an honorable purpose in Christ today. We have an, a deplorable enemy that needs to be defeated. He has no good purpose in him whatsoever. Christ hasn't given us just a life of existence, which we seem to think sometimes that it's all about just hanging on and holding on and hoping that we can make it to the end. He says here he came to give us a life of abundance. He tells us we're going to have battles. He tells us there's going to be battles to be fought. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be tough times. But we don't have to get depressed over that. He wants us to enter those battles, even the one that we're talking of entering here against the apostasy in this world. He wants us to enter it with confidence, knowing that we're the victors. And he wants us to enter it with contentment, actually having joy in our hearts, even though it might be a little tough going. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, and verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of want. Why? He says, for I have, what's the next word in your Bible? Learned. <laughs> I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Folks, contentment is more than just some gushy feeling that you have. Your feelings can change and come and go and do all kinds of weird things. But the Apostle Paul said that he had learned how to be content no matter what the state was, no matter what the circumstances were, he had learned how to be content. Too many today, they want their joy, their contentment. They want it in some kind of shallow hoopla. They want it, you know, I enjoy singing the praises of God. But folks, that's not what's going to get us through the battles if we're just singing along. <laughs> Thank God there's some good scripture in a lot of those. And I know the times when I start feeling a little bit down, I can start singing one of those great old hymns, and it's amazing how it can just lift you. But what I'm saying to you is that if we're going to be prepared for this battle that's before us, we need to as the Apostle Paul learned to be content with whatever state and whatever might be going on around us. A very pertinent passage. If you look with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Boy, I could pause on this chapter and I could preach for a long time this morning, but it's going to have to suffice for us just to read it, okay? because this is just supposed to be kind of setting the groundwork for what we're looking at in Jude. <laughs> so Hebrews chapter 13, I'd like to read that this morning, and I'm going to read most of the entire chapter right down through the first part of verse 22 there, 
And I want you to listen at just what all is in this one chapter in God's Word that's pertinent to what we're looking at here in the book of Jude. He says, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. The bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. We find that in the writing here to the Hebrews, that again, there's so many things there, but if we, if we look at the gist of what he's saying to them, Folks, we've got everything we need in the Lord. And we've got not only this life, but we've got the promise of the life to come. 
We have a responsibility in the life that we're in now to live honorably, to live for Him, to live according to His will. We know that the day is coming when each and every one will give account of themselves before God. But right now, it's an awesome responsibility that we have. And we find that in this same passage that he gives us a number of reasons why that we can be content. We can learn to be content by standing upon God's promises and God's Word. In order to earnestly, genuinely, from our hearts, contend, we're not to sacrifice enjoying that contentment. To be content does not have to go out the window in order to contend. The Bible is teaching us that we can have both and that we have every reason in the world to experience confidence, great confidence, as we contend for the faith that's been delivered to us. In pure and simple obedience, we must contend. But just as surely, we can do it with confidence and contentment. In our next portion of Scripture here in the book of Jude, we find that we're given four simple principles that if these principles are applied, it will, I believe, give you this experience, this confidence to be able to enjoy the contentment as you walk this Christian walk, whatever that comes down the way, whatever the, the circumstances might be, that you can walk with confidence in our Lord, that you can walk with contentment in your soul. After beginning this letter by exhorting us to contend for the faith, most of the verses that we've looked at from verses 4 down through 16 have described these problems both historically as well as presently that make this battle for truth so necessary. But as we pick up in verse 17 with some practical principles, if you would, that will assure us of victory, as so much of this letter has been dedicated to what we've called exposing the error, it stands to reason that as we look here, we find that the first principle that I want to point out to you is found in verses uh, 17 to 19 here, and that's simply what I've called awareness. Awareness. I don't know how many of you will have heard the name because I borrow this illustration from across the Atlantic. The seventh president of the United States was a man by the name of Andrew Jackson. Before Andrew Jackson became president of the United States, he served as a major general in what was known then as the Tennessee Militia. Now, during the War of 1812, his troops had reached an all-time low. I mean, their morale was just right out the bottom. 
And as a result of that, they began to argue and they began to bicker and they began to find all the problems. Matter of fact, they really began to fight amongst themselves. And as I read, I thought, huh, that's kind of what Moses faced, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, when the people became, when their morale went down, they began to murmur and talk and everything amongst themselves and try to find all the fault they could in this place and that. Well, here's what Jackson said that he called to his men when these tensions were at their worst. And he spoke these words to him. He said, gentlemen, let's remember the enemy is over there. And you know, so many times we begin to look in the wrong places for the enemy. <laughs> and we can begin in our disheartenedness and our unhappiness and our lack of enjoyment in our Christian lives. When our morale gets low, I'll assure you, you'll start to get the murmuring. You start to get the bickering one amongst another, the fault-finding, all these things that somebody else is doing wrong and that somebody else has got wrong. And I'm saying to you, as we begin to look here, we need to remember the enemy is over there. Now, we are talking about a very unusual case as we talk about the problem that we're looking at here in the book of Jude because the enemy is trying to slip in the side door. <laughs> He's trying to slip right in amongst us. And we find that He's done that successfully in so many times. Who's the enemy today? Notice what he says here in verse 18. He says, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. You see, we need to be aware of the men. That he says here are the scoffers and the scorners, the mockers in the last time. There are going to be those around us that are mocking, that are belittling, that are making light the things of God. Not only aware of the men, but of their motive. He says here, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Aware of the men and their motive. Their scoffers, their selfishness. They're looking out for self. We need to be aware of their method. He says in verse 19, these be they who separate themselves. You know what the word separate there literally means? It means to cause divisions. <laughs> That's what the enemy wants to do when he slips in amongst us. He wants to begin to separate, to divide. You know, the, one of the greatest assets, one of the greatest strengths that any local church can have it's this unity. That's why that if you want to become a member of Bethel Free Baptist Church, we're not saying that we've got it better and that we're the only ones that have got it right. But if you're going to become a member of this fellowship, then you'll read that statement of faith and you will agree to that statement of faith and you'll be in unity with the rest of the body. If not, you need to find fellow believers that you are in agreement with because that's where we stand. And if we are going, to be able to be strong as a church, if we're going to be able to be effective as a church body, there's got to be a unity, just as we saw in the early church, a unity of mind and heart and soul. 
But we need to be aware. There are these that are trying to creep in unaware. We need to be aware of these scoffers, these scorners, with all of their own selfish motives that will try to separate and divide within the body. And notice what he says. He says there in verse 19, These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. That's the means. That's how they do it. <laughs> sensualness. You know what sensualness is? Worldliness. Fleshliness. It's that which is operating without the Spirit. You see, their motive is to try to get your attention off of the things of God and onto the things that are without the Spirit, the things that are sensual, the things that are fleshly, the things that are worldly. And we find that, unfortunately, unfortunately, the world itself has so many attractions and so much drawing around us, it's not real hard to get our attention away from the things of God and onto the things of the world sometimes. We need to be aware. You see, if we're going to have confidence and if we're going to be content in this battle that we are facing, the first principle is that of awareness. Aware of the enemy and what he's doing and what's going on around us. We can't just sit back and close our eyes and sleep and pretend that everything is just fine. I don't want to get involved. I just want to go along on Sunday mornings and be able to, to sit there and ease my conscience and go back home. Folks, there is a battle that we need to be involved in. A battle of fighting for the truths that have been delivered down to us and they can't be compromised. They can't be turned away from. And we can have confidence. And we can have contentment even while we're fighting this raging battle. But if we're going to be victorious, there needs to be an awareness in our life of who the enemy is and where he's at and what he's trying to do amongst us. He will. He'll try to do anything that he can. And he'll use the world and the flesh particularly to get you divided from the rest of the body so they can attack you individually. The first principle, awareness. But there's a second principle we find here in verse 20, and that's what I call attentiveness. Attentiveness. He says in verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We need to be attentive to the strengthening of our spiritual lives. We need to pay close attention, first of all, to conditioning, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. You know, any soldier that's going in the battle, he's got to be conditioned before he gets in the fight. And this conditioning, they try to condition him inside and outside, physically and psychologically and all the other ways. I can still remember, and I know it's been a long time. You don't have to remind me. I can still remember boot camp when I went in training. And I can remember that, boy, you know, they play with your mind. They play with your body. They get your body doing things you never even thought possible. And, you know, some guys fall out along the way. They can't run the distance. They can't make it over the obstacles. 
They don't have the endurance. We find that psychologically they condition you. And, I mean, they play with your mind in some really strange ways. I mean, you have to do things that you absolutely know is so ludicrous, you know. I mean, I'm talking about polishing your soap after you take your shower so there's no water spots on it. I'm talking about cleaning your razors such they're not it better be even the tiniest hair from you found anywhere in that razor. All these silly things. You know, you think, what's this got to do with being a soldier? But they're conditioning you. They're conditioning you. They're conditioning you to be able to take whatever comes your way, whether you understand it or whether you don't, to be able to follow orders. <laughs> and the Bible says here that we need to be building up yourselves in your most holy faith. This is something that we must do ourselves. Yes, God's the one that is our strength, but there's something here building up yourselves in this most holy faith. You see, just as surely in our spiritual battle, we need to be conditioned just as much as any soldier that's fighting a battle anywhere. We need to be built up in our faith. We need to be strong and mature believers for what lies ahead. We need to set out ahead of time to be conditioned and ready to do battle. And I want to tell you, folks, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you this morning. That's not going to happen if the Word of God stays lying on the counter somewhere collecting dust. That's not going to happen just by even if you're one of those that makes it along to one service a week. That's not going to happen if you make it to two services a week. It's not even just going to make it if you make it to everything that's going on during the week. It's all there to help you. It's all there to build you up. There's nothing there just to waste your time. Building up yourselves. It takes spending time with God. It takes spending time in His Word. Turn back just a few pages in your Bible. Notice what Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Notice the last four verses of this chapter, beginning in verse 15, he says, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter's saying, listen, <laughs> there are many that are in trouble because they don't understand the things of God. But he said, you've got the truth. You've got the word there. But be careful because you can be led astray. The truth is you don't have to be. You've got what you need right here. 
He tells us, you know, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. How many times have we said, folks, I know, and I'm not going to dwell here again this morning. You've heard it from me so many times that some of you are probably sick of hearing it from me. You know, it's not the great deep theological things that are going to make the difference in your day-to-day Christian life. It's the simple things that you hear over and over and over again. You will never, under any circumstances, be a strong and a mature Christian without this book. You can't know maturity. You can't have that spiritual strength without the Word of God. That's where you're going to get it from. That's how you build up yourself. That's how you become spiritually strong. This isn't rocket science. We need to be attentive to our conditioning. We need to be building ourselves up in this most holy faith. Not only conditioning, but we need to be attentive to our communication, praying in the Holy Ghost. We need to remain in contact with the throne, folks. Our commander-in-chief, we need his wisdom. We need his insight. We need to know his will in everything that we do. We must be working in unison. We can never have that unity with each other and with him any other way. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, when I read that, as so many things do, it reminded me of the book of Romans. And if we look into Romans chapter 8, we find that he says there in verses 26 to 28, we like, we like 28. We like all things working together for good, don't we? In verse 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, capital S, Holy Spirit, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he make a sound. Can't be uttered, but it comes from within. It says, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We can ask amiss. We can ask that it be consumed upon our own lust. He never gets it wrong. He knows God's will. And then, verse 28 follows, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his will purpose to pray in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has got to be present, folks. He's got to be living within you. To pray in the Holy Ghost, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, which means he's not only living there, but he's got control. You're not hanging on yourself. You've surrendered totally, completely, wholeheartedly to him. Prayer is essential. James wasn't it that said, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If the enemy can succeed 
in breaking down our communications. He is well on his way to victory. Folks, I say again, it's not rocket science. We need to be attentive. We need to be attentive to what we might consider the small things. We need to be attentive in our lives to the conditioning that can only come through God's Word and to the communication which can only come when we are on our knees before God, before His throne. So the first principle is awareness, awareness of the enemy and what's going on around us. The second is attentiveness, attentive to our conditioning and our communication. And the third principle here we find in verse 21, I simply call acceptance. Verse 21, he says, i turn to the right page, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This is so vital to both our confidence and our contentment. You see, it's one thing to know about something, but it's an entirely different thing to accept it as a living reality within your life. Acceptance, first of all, here of a present love. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Boy, isn't that a key to so much that goes on in our Christian lives? Are we just doing it out of obligation, even if the obligation is genuine? Why are we obligated? Are we just doing it out of a sense of duty? And certainly duty is important, and particularly so when we're talking about a a soldier that's fighting in a battle. But anything we do for the Lord, if it's to count for anything, it's got to come from the heart. That's true whether it's your salvation and getting saved. There is no secret prayer that will ever get you saved. There's no formula of words that you can present. For with the heart man believeth unto salvation, and with the mouth confession is made. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It all begins in the heart, and that's true here. We must be acceptant of the love of God in our lives. We must keep ourselves in that love. If our confidence is to be real, if our contentment is to be real, it's got to come from that. Not only a present love, but look at the promised future. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Our future as a believer is certain. Our future is eternal because of the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, not because we deserve it, just as with God's love. It's one thing to know about the future, but it's an entirely different thing to accept it and live accordingly. I say to you, very few Christians really do this. Most of them like to talk about the second coming. Most of them like to talk about the Lord coming back. Can I ask you an honest question this morning? How many of you, when you got up this morning, you either thought or said, boy, this could be the day. (laughs) The Lord could come today. This could very well be my last day on earth. How many of you have fought with an acceptance in such a way that even sitting here in this service this morning, how many of you, the thought has crossed your mind, boy, the Lord might come back before he even gets to the end of that sermon. Praise God. (laughs) You see, it's one thing for us to know about 
But how many of us have accepted it as a living reality in our life that we're expecting him today? It'll change our lives. I promise you, if you really genuinely in your heart are expecting God to come back, whether it's this day or whether it's in the next hour or whatever, it'll change what you do in that time. <laughs> he says that we need to accept. We need to accept this present love that we have in the Lord right now. And we need to accept this promised future and live like we really believe that he's coming back today. You see, we need an awareness of what's going on around us, an attentiveness to the strengthening of our spiritual lives, an acceptance of the love of God and the sure promises of his imminent return. And I give you this one quickly, very quickly in closing. Aggressiveness. <laughs> aggressiveness. Many times aggressiveness is seen as a negative thing, but there are some things that we need to be aggressive about. First of all, notice in verse 22 that we need to be aggressive towards the doubters. And of some have compassion, making a difference. What does it mean, making a difference? Making a distinction. In other words, we've, what we've been talking about, we need to be aggressive in convincing them of the truth. We need to try because of the love of our hearts, because of compassion, to make a difference in their lives. We need to be aggressive about that. Notice he goes on to say, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Aggressive towards the doubters, aggressive towards those that are doomed I mean, we need to aggressively convey fear, he says here, for the certain future that lies before them, the very fires of hell, when they face the judgment of God at the great white throne. He says, pulling them out of the fire. You see, that's the certain doom for all that don't have Christ. There is no other place. There's only two places for eternity. We've got our promised future with the Lord in heaven well, you've got a future with Satan in the place that was prepared for him that's called hell. I remember reading this somewhere, and I jotted it down, and I don't remember where I heard it or anything. It says, if we are living contented and happy in the sunshine, you can spell that U-N or O-N, in the sunshine of his grace, we should want to get others out of the shadows in the darkness. If we're blessed to be in the sunshine, there ought to be a desire to get those out of the shadows and the darkness to come and enjoy that sunshine with us. You see, it's when we help others into the sunshine that our own life becomes brighter and more joyful than ever. Thirdly, aggressive. Aggressive towards the doubters, the doomed, but also aggressive towards defilement. That's what he says here, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We need to aggressively constrain ourselves from having anything to do with sin. Do you know that the word spotted there in your Bible could also be translated as defiled, has the same root meaning, defiled. The things of the flesh and sin will defile us if we allow it to find its way into our lives. If we're going to make a difference we need to be aggressive in our compassion for the lost and aggressive in our commitment to the Lord. Only He can convict through the Spirit. 
Only he can convert the, the souls and hearts of men. We must commit our lives to him. We must work if we're to content ourselves with his harvest. Remember, it is his harvest. We are his servants. We need to commit ourselves to him and to his work. The need is urgent. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contending that we expose the error by remembering the past and recognizing the present, but that we experience confidence and enjoy contentment, folks, while we're in this battle. By applying these four principles, awareness, attentiveness, acceptance, and aggressiveness, while we're earnestly contending, for this faith that was once delivered to the saints. I'll close with this illustration. As believers in Christ were engaged in spiritual warfare with many unseen wicked forces, to be able to overcome our enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit, folks, we've got to remain resolute. We've got to be confident in our God and We've got to determine in our hearts never to accept defeat. A story from the Korean War illustrates this attitude as enemy forces advanced. Baker Company was cut off from the west of their unit. For several hours, no word was heard, even though headquarters repeatedly tried to communicate with the missing troops. Finally, a faint signal was received. Straining to hear, the corpsman asked, Baker Company, do you read me? This is Baker Company, came the reply. What's your situation? Asked the corpsman. The enemy's to the east of us. The enemy's to the west of us. The enemy's to the north of us. The enemy's to the south of us. Then after a brief pause, the sergeant from Baker Company said with determination, the enemy's not going to get away from us now. <laughs> Even though he was surrounded and outnumbered, he was thinking of victory and not defeat. And I'm saying as Christians, you know, how many times do we see that in God's Word? How many times were God's people outnumbered? How many times were they surrounded? How many times did it look hopeless? And yet they were looking for victory and not defeat. And that's the way today. We have got a battle to fight. But we can enter it with absolute confidence, knowing that our God is able, Brother Steve, knowing that we've got everything we need. But there's some things we need to do. We need to be aware of some things. We need to pay attention to some things. We need to accept some things in our lives. And we need to aggressively be on the tack for some things and aggressively seeking the lost. I close with these verses in reading. The last two verses in Jude says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. All the glory is his. But aren't you glad? Do you know that you're on his side today? Do you know that you're in the battle for him? Praise God, we can have confidence 
we can be content in whatever circumstances that we're caught in if we just follow these principles that he gives us in his word. Father, we thank you again today for, Lord, as we've looked into your word and we know, Lord, that there's many of these things that we've looked at that, Father, we could have dwelled on, but we just pray that you'll have taken these things today, that you'll have spoken to hearts to each one that is present. We pray, Lord, that as we enter this battle that is before us, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, that we can be a confident people, that we can have the confidence not in ourselves but in you, and, Father, that we can be a contented people, whatever our state, whatever the circumstances, Lord, because of you and all that you are to us. You know the hearts of each one here this morning. Lord, if there's loss that needs to be saved, backsliders that need to be restored, Father, I pray that you would just work in each heart and that each heart would be responsive in whatever way is needed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. 